Father God, I thank you for the beautiful truth of that. That we cannot outrun or outsin your grace. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God and you are gracious. And so from everlasting to everlasting, your grace covers us. Lord, I thank you for the reminder of that grace in the rain that comes and washes us clean. I thank you for the reminder of that grace in songs that are sung and smiles that are shared and and just a family of God being together. I thank you for the reminder of renewal that even something like a new year can bring. Lord, I do pray that we would make the most of the time in these days. The time is short and eternity is long. Regardless of how long it is before you return or take us home, time is short in light of eternity. So Lord, let us live our lives in that light. Let us live our lives in your light. Let us live filled to overflowing because that's who we are in Christ Jesus. And it's for the fame and the glory of his name that we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the word. From our brother Parker. Oh, it's on even. All right, there you go. Once I thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Jesus Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so I may gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing his death, so that one way or another I will experience resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that these things have already achieved these things or that I've reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection which Jesus Christ has possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize, which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Philippians 3, 7 through 14. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well done, Parker. Please be seated. Grab your Bibles and find that passage. Philippians, it's in your New Testament. Well done. There's a couple of young men um, at this table in front of me that are really glad I didn't ask them to read that passage because it had some really big words in it. So well done, Parker. Um, Open up your Bibles. Find Philippians. It's in your New Testament. It's to to the right of the Psalms and the Proverbs. And um, I just want to, I asked them to to leave this up here today. This is from our Advent season, um, talking about how we talked about the hope and the peace and the joy and the love of the season and how all those things come together perfectly in the person and work of Christ. And we did that on Christmas Eve. And I asked them to leave it up here because I'm praying that as we go into this new year on New Year's, right, that we would, um, that, that these things, hope and peace and joy and love would be manifest in our lives. Because as Christians, we are to make him known in the world. Right? If, if all of these things come together in him and he is in us, then all of these things 
hope and peace and love and joy should be coming together in our lives as well. And so the question I want to, one of the questions I'm asking myself is, at the end of 2023, 365 days from now, is my life going to be marked by those things? Is your life going to be marked by hope, peace, love, joy, faith? Is that what you're going to look back on this time next year and go, you know what, not perfectly because we can't, but in ways that really matter, 2023 stood for something different, stood for someone different, and that someone is Jesus Christ. So that's what we're hoping to do here today. It leads us to our first talking points question. It's in your little insert that's in your bulletin. I know you have several things in your bulletin, and we're going to be a little interactive today, and so um, you're going to need all of these little inserts. So if you didn't get a 3 by 5 card, you're going to want to have one. If you didn't get one of these yellow pieces of paper, you, you're going to want to have one. If you didn't get um, pretty much all of that, that's in your, for some reason you didn't get a bulletin, then go grab one or put your hand up and someone will give you one. Um, but you're going to want to have that and you're going to want to have a Bible because we're going to be in it. But as we look at our first talking points question, it says this, what we fixate on, we migrate towards. If you've been here at all before, you have heard that many times, you will hear it a lot today. What we focus on fills our hearts. So what kinds of things steal our focus? So we talk about this a lot, but just so that we're all confident we're on the same page and have the same struggles, what are some things that steal our focus? Just yell them out. What? My phone. What else? Entertainment. Social media. My sweet truck. Okay. Wow. Arrogant and distracted. Um... <laughs> That's my son-in-law, folks. All right, what else? What's that? Instagram. Parker, are you on Instagram? Okay, that's good. But yes, you're right. You know, I, I, just as I said, because, because out of the mouths of babes, I was just reading an article fairly recently. It was during the Christmas season, and they were interviewing some teenagers about their conversations and their relationships with their parents. So this is an aside from the message, but, but related. You know what they said? They said, what's the number one thing they wish they would, that, that, that would happen between them and their parents? This is what's interesting in our society. They said that their parents would get off their phones and have a conversation with them. That, that, can you imagine? Like the, the teenagers are saying, my parents are so busy on their phones, they don't want to have a conversation with me, right? Like that, now that's completely backwards and wrong on all kinds of levels. Um, and so, so then, so, so we kind of talk about that sort of stuff a lot here about this with distractions, the things that the world is doing, like the, the, all this stuff that's just coming at us constantly. Um, so the question I want to really spend some time on, or the part of the question I want to spend some time on is the second half. How do we fix this? So how do we fix this problem? So what is the solution to all of this lack of focus? Well, there's the obvious, which is What? What? Focus on God, Jesus, things not of this world. So perspective, that's something we talk about. We've, we've been talking about this, it seems like forever here, that we just have a perspective problem. We need to have an eternal perspective, right? What else? Self-control. Self How to have some self-control in the things that you are um, engaging with. Because the question becomes, like, what really is changing you? What, guys, we're all being discipled all the time. 
The, you're either being discipled by God, his people, his word, his spirit through prayer, or you're being discipled by the world. The things, I mean, the shows we watch, the Instagram feed that we're doing, all, like those are all things that are discipling us all of the time. And so the question becomes, what are some of those things that, that have so consumed our focus Right, that, that, we, that we can't even get our eyes on Jesus. And here's the hard part, is some of those things aren't necessarily bad things. Things like your job, things like trying to have some security for you and your family financially, things like your family, things like um, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, things like a, a relationship, friendships, things like, accept, like being accepted by others. Those aren't necessarily in and of themselves evil things. But the minute they take the place of pursuing, the minute they force, like they get our eyes off of Christ and onto those things, they have become a idol. And we are all idol worshipers. And our biggest idol is us, right, ourselves. And so how do we get our eyes off of us and onto Christ is ultimately what we need to talk about. Paul understood something, though. In this passage we're going to look at, Paul understood that the only way any of this can happen, the only way that, that we can really fix our eyes on Jesus is first we have to let go of some stuff. Right? Like we can't, because what we try to do is we try to hold on to everything we're holding on to. And, and even in our, in our best moment, like on New Year's, when we're planning our New Year's goals and we're, and we're going to try to focus them on Christ, and, and we're going to, like, what we're going to do is we're just going to add Jesus. We're going to try to squeeze him in to this already crazy life that we're living. And what Paul understood was no, I, in order for me to actually put him in the place of preeminence, there's a whole lot I have to let go of. And some of that forcibly was let go of by him. So today we're going to be talking about this idea of, um, of how do we fix our focus? Like how do we actually fix our eyes on Christ very practically? And so that's what all those little inserts in your bulletin are for. And, um, and to do that, before we get too involved in that, I, I just want to remind, like here's some things, don't, don't do this for your New Year's resolutions or goals or whatever. Don't look at your life right now or, your, or last year, or the last years of your life, and see failure. Just don't. We just say it. The grace of God covers all of your sins, and that includes everything you think you failed to do yesterday. Right? So don't look at yourself in failure. The other thing I wrote down was, um, don't try to change like your new outlook for 2023 to gain God's approval. Or to gain someone else's approval. Young people in the room, don't try to do better next year so that your parents, so that you're gaining your parents' approval. Look to do better next year for whatever the Lord leads you in, like what that means for you, so that you can be living for Christ. We're not trying to gain Christ's approval by setting our sights on him. We're just trying to become more Christ-like. And the last thing I'll say is, don't, um, don't try to bite off more than you can chew. Like, if you've never read your Bible, it may not be the plan for you to, like, okay, this year I'm going to read my Bible three times, through my Bible three times. Like, start realistically. Don't, like, in, in every area that you're trying to improve in, pick one thing and work on that habit in that one thing until it becomes a habit, and then start working on something else. And that's what this little, the front of this little yellow card that was in your bulletin, so if you get that out, it talks about walking with Jesus. We've been passing these out for a few weeks. You can, you can get them off of the website, too, for those of you that are online right now or listening to this um, 
on a podcast or something, you can go to our website and you can get these. But it just has different areas of your life, physical activity, relationship building, spiritual walk, these different areas of your life. And it really just says, what is one thing you might let go of, like Paul's going to show us, and what is one thing you might grab hold of? Not everything. This isn't your whole year's goal necessarily. This isn't your whole life plan. This is one thing. What is one thing you could do? And I'm not going to give you time right now to write these down because I'm preaching, but I want to encourage you to write, to, to take some time if you have not already done that this year and have this and share it with some people, people in your family, um, friends of yours, somebody that can hold you accountable and go, so how are you doing at getting better at this one thing? It takes 30 days to create a habit. 30 days. So what is one thing you could do for the next 30 days and see if that hasn't become habitual by the time um, the, end of the, the end of January comes? So that's, that's the first thing. So what Paul is going to show us in our passage today as we look at this question of, so how do you, like ultimately today, how do you make the most out of what's in front of you? That's the quest. That's what's going to drive our conversation. How do you personally make the most of, time is our most precious possession, we're not, God is not making any more of it in your life. All your days are numbered. The question becomes, what are you doing with them? What are you going to do with the number of your days? And what Paul's going to show us is, here's what we have to do. In order for us to make the most of what's in front of us this year, we have to clean our lens, we have to claim our victory, and we have to continue forward. And he's going to show us that in the passage that Parker read to us. So let's pick it up in our first point and see how Paul tells us that we have to clean our lens. We have to clean our lens. In verse 7 of chapter 3, I'm in Philippians 3, 7, he says this, But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Now, I, I just want to remind some of you that maybe don't know, the, the Apostle Paul is the one that wrote Philippians and guys, when he says whatever gain I had, he had a lot of gain. Like he was on the fast track to being the pinnacle of like his society. He was going to be the Pharisee of Pharisees. Like he was going to be the, the, the most, com he was going to live in the most comfortable conditions. He was going to have the best job. He was going to be the most respected. He was, all of those things was where he was heading. And he says, all of that great stuff, where he finds himself now as he's writing this letter 30 years later, is he's in prison. So he's, when he, so he's not talking theory here. He's talking reality. He says, but all that stuff that I was pursuing, I count as loss for what? For the sake of Christ and knowing Christ is my Lord. He says, I, when he says I count it as loss, he actually means I count it worthless. I count it as garbage is ultimately what he means. He says, because as, as, as compared to knowing Jesus, for his sake, for Christ's sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish or garbage in order that I might gain Christ. Guys, ultimately, what, what, from the time Paul had his encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus, here's what Paul learned about Jesus. Jesus is better. Even though practically his life got considerably worse, circumstantially Paul's life got much worse, because he knew Jesus to be better, because he knew the kingdom to be real, because he knew heaven was more glorious than anything he could experience here on earth, it he was consumed in that. Right? He was consumed in Christ. 
And, that, and when you're consumed in the things of God, all that other stuff grows strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, is what the song tells us. That I may gain Christ. Now look at verse 9. And I might be found in him. I love that. That I might be found in him, having, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but having a righteousness through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. If Christ is in you, then you are in Christ. What we fixate on, we migrate towards. What we fixate on, we migrate towards. Guys, what, what, what captures our minds consumes us. So the question becomes, what are those things that we, see, we are still seeing as gain that we need to start seeing as loss? And we talked about that in our first talking points question, but I just want to, guys, it is so, like, the, the things that you're scrolling through the things that you're, the, uh, it is absolutely the, the, the shows that you're watching, the music that we're listening to, the, the, the people that we're hanging out with, they're all discipling us into the image of something. We have got, I, I, somebody prayed during the prayer time about how like the church has just sort of fallen asleep. And, and the way the enemy got the church to go to sleep, I mean, he's been do, we've been doing it for years, but recently is by getting us even more consumed in the frivolousness of society. Binge-watching Netflix shows and, and um, just endlessly scrolling through Instagram and TikTok and whatever, Snapchat and all the other stuff. That, like, like, it is all designed on purpose by him to keep us distracted from looking at Christ. And, and here's the worst part. It's worse than that. It's not just that we're now not looking at Jesus anymore, but the thing we're looking at is conforming us into its image. Guys, just let that sink in for a minute. The stuff you are looking at is, is conforming you into its image. Now, guys, even if the stuff you're looking at seems righteous, if it's projected in an angry Unchristlike way, guess what it's doing to your soul? Conforming you into its unchristlike image. Right? So we got to get away from this obviously evil, evil, obviously good, secular, sacred argument and just go, is this thing that I'm spending time with making me look more like my Savior or less? And then start making our decisions in that way. So that's why we want to be about like being in God's word every day. Because as, as the enemy has gotten better and better at putting more things in front of us to steal more of our time, it's more important now than ever that we spend time in God's word every day. It's why in your bulletins, I didn't bring a bulletin up here, but it's why in your bulletins, there are the daily readings are listed. So this week, from this message... There will go out an, uh, an email that I sent out, a short devotional, the In the Word Today, so the daily readings go out so that we're all reading the same thing on the same, on the same day. They're also listed in your bulletin. They're on our website. Um, we're also reading through the Bible in a year. I chose to do, like this year I'm doing, the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs, so those are listed um, on there. But guys, all we're trying to do is find ways for you to be in God's Word as an antidote as like a cleansing of the mind, the renewing of the mind, the word calls it, against all of that stuff that the world is constantly feeding us. Guys, can we put down our phones long enough to pick up the word of God? Can we turn off our TV long enough to just listen to the word of God even, being read to you, so that it is conforming you into his image? 
That's why we're so stuck on being in God's word every day because we're, doing, we're on our phone every day. Our TV is on every day. Our, like, and yet we say something like, hey, are you, are you in God's word every day? And we lose, we're like, oh, that's just asking too much. Like, I can't, no, that, 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 that's just too big. You're just way too moralistic. You're too legalistic. You're too whatever. Well, then all that other stuff that you do every day, stop doing that. Or see it as just as legalistic. Because you know what? It is telling you to do it. And you're listening to it. So who are you listening to? Right? That's the question that we need to have answered. So that's also why um, we have this, this, uh, this plan for 2020. So, so in... Um, in, in your hand, or in, well, I don't know if we, we didn't have them. I'm out on the connect table or out on the resource table. We have this, and we'll come back to this at the end, this idea of like, what are some ways, like this is specific to things of Christ, what are some ways that I can practically put down some of those other things and grab hold of the things that are going to lead me into um, um, the presence of Christ throughout the year. And that's what this worksheet that's out there has been forced. If you don't have one, I just really want to encourage you to grab one. We'll probably come back to it at the end, although I don't really know for sure where this is going to go today. So, um, so one, we need to be in God's Word every day. The, uh, we need to be in prayer every day. And there's a, there's a section in that, on that sheet on prayer. And the other thing that we need to do is we need to be in fellowship. And I know I'm preaching to the choir right now, but this is a, a, another area where, the, where when we talk about how the enemy has gotten the church to go to sleep, this is, this is probably the, the second biggest area. So one, he's distracted people by screens. I'll just, just summarize it that. And the second thing is he's convinced people that they don't need the church anymore. He's convinced people that church is optional. Remember, even before COVID, the average, the person who said, I am a regular attender of going to church, what they meant by that is that they attended church 1.6 times a month. That's what a regular attender meant. They attend church 1.6 times a month. It is way worse now. And we all know people who have wandered, people that you knew were solid believers who have wandered away. They've just kind of, they just kind of, you know, the, 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 the thing, I've been having these conversations with people in our church, other leaders in other churches, and even just friends of ours from out of state, out of town, just people that I interact with. And what it feels like is happening is people are just kind of going, you know what, it's just not worth it. It's not working. Like Christianity, is just, it's just like, you know, we, we tried really hard and it seemed like things were going well, but man, things have just gotten really ugly lately. And so I'm just kind of done. They're not, they're not denouncing their faith openly. I mean, there are some that are doing that, but what they're doing is they're just saying, yeah, I'm just tired of living hot-hearted for Jesus. I'm just going to do my time until he comes. Guys, God has called us to way more than that. I love where Brian took the prayer time, where the music, like God has, we, we are to live victoriously. Like we are, we are to like, and we are to live urgently, and that is what we'll talk about in our second point when we get there. But for now, look at your second talking points question, because we need each other, and here's why: it's hard to live a, in personal victory alone. We need one another to keep moving forward. Are you afraid to let others see your blemishes and know your struggles? Guys, before we go on to the rest of the question, let me, so, so let me ask you, like, I'm not asking you to say it out loud. I'm saying, would you be comfortable here or with people in your, in your church, in your community of believers, whatever that means to you, would you be comfortable saying to them, you know what, I don't really read my Bible. Or when I do read my Bible, 
I don't really understand what it says. Or, you know what, I'm not really into, I, don't, I, I really struggle to pray and I don't pray. Or, man, I'm really struggling with forgiveness. And, and honestly, I don't really care. Like, would you be comfortable sharing that? Because, guys, if we're not comfortable sharing that kind of stuff here, like, if, if what you're hearing me say when I come up here on my soapbox, Doug's soapbox, being in God's Word every day, if what you're hearing me say is, you better be and not let us help you be, then you're hearing the wrong thing. Right? Like, like I, I, it would grieve me if somebody, and, and, I, and it, 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 here's what, I, I'm going to rephrase that. It does grieve me that some of you never open your Bibles and would be scared to tell me that. Because you'd think I would judge you. And I have to own that. That's not on you. That's on me. Right? What I want, what I'm hoping we are developing here is a culture of trust. Where, where instead you could come and you could say, you know what? Yeah, I don't open my Bible. Could you help me? Could you help me even want to? Right? Like that's, that's the second part of the question. So what does it look like to live in redemptive community. That's, what we, that, that's, that's our mission, right? We're training people to teach God's truth in the context of redemptive community. So what does it look like to live in redemptive community? I'm at, now I'm asking for input. What does it look like? Understanding that we're all in the same boat and that apart from Christ, that boat is sinking. Yeah, right? Good. What else? What does it look like to be in being real? And in order to be real, we need to be what? Humble. And in order to be real, the people that we're trying to be real with need to be vulnerable. I heard somebody say safe. Together. We need wise. Speak the truth. What's that? Sincere. Genuine, honest, gentle. Right, guys, that's what redemptive community looks like. Here's what it also looks like. It looks like being willing to speak the truth in love. It looks like receiving the truth in love. When, when you are exhorted upon or maybe even admonished by a brother or sister in love, are we willing to receive that? Or are we going... What typically happens, I don't want to hear that. I'm going to go find someplace else where, where they're not going to tell me that. Right? Like that's what redemptive community, redemptive community isn't always, doesn't always feel comfortable or it's not really redemptive. But it should always feel loving. And that's, that, that, that's part of what, I, if, if, there's, if there is a thing that I am the most excited about what the Holy Spirit has done in this little family over the last couple years is it's gotten us to a place where we're at least willing to risk embracing people that don't really think the same way we think about every single issue. I know we have a long way to go in that. I know my heart has a long way to go in, in projecting that I am willing to embrace differences. But we are way further down that road than we were back in 2019. Way further down that road. And, I, and that is a work of the Holy Spirit. And, but, but there is work to be done here. So as Brian said, you are welcome here, Holy Spirit. Right? Like we need his work here. 
So along those lines, on the back of this yellow card, again, I won't have you fill it out now because we're going to keep plowing forward here with the message, but on the back of this yellow card, to invite you into redemptive community, there's a, there, it asks you who is a person or family that you could commit to praying for. Not yours, another family in this community. Another one is, what could you commit to praying about that would help us as a community? And then the last one is, who is one person or family outside of this community that you could engage with? So I want to encourage you today, as you're, as you're writing down some of your like, goals in these areas to, to, get, to let go of and grab hold of Christ, then also look at the back of it and go, and, and who are some people that I could intentionally be praying for? And do that just for 30 days. And then maybe, guys, don't tell them you're praying for them. Hey, I'm praying for you, sister. Like, don't do that. Just pray for her. And then at the end of the 30 days, walk up to her, like February, first Sunday of February, and go, hey, I've been praying for you for the month. I was just curious, how's your month been? And have a conversation. That's what redemptive community looks like. And that leads us to our second point. So the first thing we have to do, if we're going to really focus on what's in front of us, first thing we have to do is we have to clean our lens. How are we viewing the world? Well, how do we get rid of the junk, grab hold of Jesus? The second thing is we have to claim the victory that he already has. We do not want to live defeated lives. And so in verse 10, verses 10 and 11 of chapter 3, he says, he tells us how to claim the victory. He says, that, so, he's, so he's saying, I, all this stuff that I thought was gain, I consider now garbage that I might know. And then he says, and that I might know him. And then he, or, I'm sorry, that I might be found in him. And then in verse 10, he says, that I might know him. Now you say, wait a minute, Paul, you've walked with Jesus for 30 years. Don't you know Jesus? Yeah, he, here's what he means. I have pers- pursued Jesus with everything in me for 30 years, and I have scratched the surface of knowing Jesus. He means, I want to really really know Jesus. I want to really pursue him as he pursues me. So he says that I, so it's not like I might know him. It's like that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and, the, and to share in the suffering, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You guys, understand something. When he says that I may, that, that, um, that I may become like him in his death, Death in Christ is not loss, it's gain. Paul is the one that wrote, for me to live is Christ and to die is better. It is gain. What he's saying is, that I'm, when, I, when he says that I, that I might be like him in his death, he's saying that I might have victory. Like, like, the, like that I might die to self daily like Christ did. Not my will, but thy will be done, Father. And in that dying to self, that I might find the victory that Christ had. Right? How, how do we run this race with endurance? The writer of Hebrews tells us that in Hebrews 12. He says, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside all the junk, all the stuff we saw as gain, the sin that entangles us, the screens, all the stuff we mentioned earlier, and let us run with endurance this race that is set before us. How? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's what Paul is telling us here. He's saying that we need to fix our eyes on Christ because that's how we'll know the power of his resurrection. That I might by any means attain to the resurrection of the, from the dead. Guys, heaven and the kingdom of God was, 
just consumed Paul? Does it consume you? Guys, if we are kingdom people, meant to live by kingdom power, for kingdom glory, why doesn't, this is what was talked about during our prayer time. This isn't me. This is what was prayed about. This is what was sung. Why doesn't the kingdom of God consume us? Why are we so willing to just, you're like, yeah, but Doug, I'm, I'm here on a, on a beautiful rainy morning on New Year's Day. I probably got six hours of sleep last night. Why are you telling me I'm not consumed? I'm saying because this is two hours out of 168. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror, guys. I'm looking at myself going, what am I doing with the other 166 hours? Right? And, and, and I'm wondering if you are ever having those wonderful thoughts with me. Right? Because they are sometimes hard. The point is, what Paul is so fixated on is, you, so you remember from a couple weeks ago, my rope analogy? So we had, I was going to bring it, but I just decided not to. Um, but it was this idea that we, we get so consumed in this lifespan that we forget about the eternity that just goes on and on and on. It's that 1 Corinthians, so if you're right, taking notes, just write down. Don't turn there, but just write down. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. We've read it many times here. He's talking about, it's, it's, it's the whole, it's talking about the resurrection. He's saying, he's telling the people in Corinth, he's saying, hey guys, these earthly suits cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So something has to happen. And what's going to happen is when he comes back, you're going to get a whole new suit. You're going to have a whole new leg, sister. Right? You're, we're gonna, I mean, we're, there's going to be no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow. All that stuff that Sean read as we're going into our time in music, all that's going to become the, the real reality, and we need to live as kingdom people like it's real right now. Amen. Right? Like, like, like that's real. We're those people stuck between the already finished, it's already real, but not yet fully realized. We're the people in the middle, and that's what he's trying to tell us here. But the only way we can do that is if we really find our identity in, in who Christ says we are. And again, that's one of the reasons, guys, the way you're going to find your identity in Christ is by being with him. And like we talked about on Christmas Eve, he is the word. So turn to, turn to Psalm 16. We're going to do something. We're going to take the time. We're going to do it. Um, we got plenty of time today. We got all kinds of time. We can stay here till three. Just kidding. We can, but we're going to take the time. So turn to Psalm 16. It's to the left of where we are. I don't know what I did to this thing today, but I ruined it. Um, we are going to, um, and, and we're going to, and then here's the other thing I want you to do. Find this half sheet of paper that says getting into the word and getting the word into you. It's, it's, it was in your bulletin. I told you we're going to be interactive today. So I'm going to read Psalm 16. You're going to read it with me. We're going to read it together. We're going to have our own little devotional time, but we're only going to take about five minutes, okay, instead of maybe the 15. What I tell people when they're first starting out is, hey, take five minutes to read the Word, five minutes to reflect on it. Just let it, let it do its work. Like, this is, not about, this, is, this is not about a Bible study. This is letting the Bible study you. Just go, okay, Lord, what do you have for me? And then spend five minutes responding to it. That's 15 minutes. And it talks about that in here. And on the back of that form, it tells you, here's what reading means. Here's what you do. Here's how you reflect. And here's how you respond. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to take this sheet now home with you and work on it. But we're going to practice on your 3 by 5 card. 
So you should have gotten a three by five card. So this is, this is going to be your journal for the next five minutes. Got it? So we're going to read, reflect, and respond to the word of God. So as I'm reading Psalm 16 out loud, and you're reading along with me, ask yourself this question. What verse stands out to you? Like, just like when you're reading it, you just go like, 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 is there something that just sort of like, oh, wow, that really stuck out to me. That hit me. And then, and then here's what you do. In that moment, trust that the Holy Spirit is the one who told you that's the verse for you. Because that's how the word of God is living and active. It is God breathed. And the same spirit that breathed the word of God into the men that wrote the word of God is the same spirit that is breathing into your heart right now, if you're his. So I'm going to pray. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for your word that is living and active. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, that we would behold wonderful things from it now. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I'm in Psalm 16, verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. It is the Lord who is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. This is the word of the Lord. So just take a second, maybe skim back through it. Ask yourself, like, what is there a verse there that stands out? And I write out the verses in my journal, but you don't have to. You could just put the verse number. You could just say, you know, verse 7 or whatever it was. And then, and then here's what I want you to ask yourself. This is part of the reflecting because we are moving on. So this, this would, that would have been like another five minutes of time. But as you're reflecting, ask yourself the question, why did the Holy Spirit bring that verse to your mind? Like that, that's, that's, where I, that's what I mean by reflecting. That's where I get the, like if, you're, if you get the end of the word today, that's where I get my theme or my title for that day. 
So what would your theme or title be? Like if you had to summarize, so if you were to ask yourself the question, okay, so why, Lord, is that verse the one that stood out to me? Now ask yourself the question, why? And, and what word comes into your mind? What word or phrase? Write it down. Maybe it's one of the words in the verse. Maybe it's just the idea that the verse expresses to your heart. But, but answer the question, why? Now, some of us are better at, at this like, kind of emotive stuff than others, right? Like, when I first started journaling, my journal entries were like the verse and, like, and literally like one or two sentences. That's all, I'm like, that's all I got, God, sorry, right? Like, I just, I mean, I just, it just, I wasn't, and as I've grown over 35 journals or something now, what has happened is I, I, I find the Holy Spirit just often, not every day, but just taking over for me because, because I've learned through that time of 20 years that that's like how to interact with him that way. But here's a great little tool. We've never done this before in the history of cross-train, so be excited. Um, but here's another great little tool for reflecting on God's word. So let's, everybody, so just kind of stop what you're doing and jump down to verse 11. Because that, like that, you know, that's, that's the verse in the past. I mean, I mean, it's not often my verse when I read Psalm 16, but it is the verse that most people know in Psalm 16. Because it's a great verse. You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. Here's another way you can reflect. You can write down as many observations about that single verse as possible. Like just one or two words. And you just start writing them down. I bet if we sat here for 10 minutes in this room, we could come up with 50 plus observations about that one verse. So, so, so we're going to do that right now, just real quick, audibly. Don't write them down. But like, so, so what, what, are, what are some observations? When you just read just that verse, you make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. What are, what are some things that jump out at you? Joy. So that's one. What? Starts with the Lord. So, that I would just, so when I do this, I just write down starts with the Lord. It starts with the Lord. Good. What else? That's two. His love for us, that's three. Trust, Trust. awesome, that's four. Source of, knowledge. Source of knowledge, that's five. Life. What? Life. Life, that's six. What? Peace. So you can see, so some of it is just pulling like words, but, but even, so let me just, let me just like to just kind of help as we're, as we're like looking at different ways to, to look at God's word and let it speak to us. When it says, um, and you have, you have, um, you make known to me the path of life. What is implied in that? That there's a path of death? That if there is a path of life, there's a path of death. That's an observation. That's an observation that'll speak to your soul. Right, so pick, pick another one. In your presence there is fullness of joy. What's implied in that? Outside your presence there is not. So that's the other, like, but let's get, let's get away from the, I'm not, that's a good one. And I, same thing, that'll speak to your soul. But now, so you could do like the antithesis or the opposite. But what else is it saying? That there's, okay, that there's joy. What, but, but what's implied in your presence? What? You have to be with the world, but what else? That we can be with the Lord. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. Let's not skip, let's not skip to the I have to be before we go, before we just really sort of dwell and soak in the He invites us to be. Right? Implied in that is David is saying, you know, you can be in God's presence. 
Because there's fullness of joy there. So do you see where I'm going? Like you don't always have to write out this, like, this paragraph that is all this. Like, maybe like, I can't. Just write down some words that come to mind. And then think about those words a little bit. And watch and see what the Holy Spirit does with that. Okay, so, so that's what you're, that's, that is one practice of reading and reflecting. We're going to respond at the end. So keep your white card out. But right now I want to look at the last talking points question. Because we are going to begin to land this plane actually pretty quick. To know him and to make him known, that's the mission. And ironically, the more you make him known, the more you know him. Remember how Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20? And he says in 28, 2019, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And then in 2020 is where he says, and lo, I am with you. The lo, I am with you is tied to go to make disciples. He's saying, if you really want me with you in a real, real, like a real intense way, be about the business of making disciples and watch how much I'm with you. What we do is we, we, we love the low I'm with you. We're not so crazy about go therefore and make disciples. Okay, it says this is the one reason, or this is one of the reasons we train to teach others God's truth. Are you comfortable leading others who are behind you in the spiritual journey with Jesus? Did you know that it is a command of scripture to all of us? What might be the, the root of your, of your reluctance to be in discipleship relationships with others? I'm not going to have you answer out loud today, but, what, so I would, but I would ask you, like, like, if you're not in a discipleship relationship where you're being discipled and discipling, why not? Is it, is it are you afraid of accountability? Are you distracted? Are you discouraged? Are you too busy? Um, are you finding yourself wanting to be isolated? Because you guys, you got to remember, the enemy lives in discouragement, distraction, isolation, anger, those are the places the enemy lives. And discipleship is about community, togetherness, grace, truth, love, hope, joy, peace. Like those are the things that discipleship relationships are supposed to be about. And so the question starts to become, if I don't like those things, if I don't want those things, God's word is pretty clear. Whose camp am I really in? I mean, just read 1 John. Like, he'll, he'll, he'll melt your face off. If you don't like being around God's people, talking about God's word, read 1 John and let's you and I talk. Because he brings it pretty hard. This is why and how we train. It's why we have D groups. Because it takes, it's the difference between discipleship and a classroom. <coughs> Excuse me. And a classroom. The training center is a classroom setting. And it's wonderful. And we need that. But if that's all, that is not discipleship. That's training. Discipleship is interacting with people. And that's why we need things like the D groups. And if you need to know more about that, there's information on the Connect table that can tell you more about that. But it's, it's this idea of creating community. And that all leads us to our last point. So as we go back and find Philippians, i got to go back and find my Philippians passage, Philippians chapter 3. So how do we make the most of what is before us? The first thing we do is we clean our lands. The second thing we do is we claim our victory. And the third thing that Paul tells us to do is we keep, we just continue forward. we got, we got to just keep pressing on, right? And, th and this, many of you have heard this from me before. This is like my life. This is, this is probably the passage I go to in the Word um, more than anything, Mo some, some because of my past, but also because I know I need, where I need to fix my eyes. So it's this idea of continuing forward. So look at verse 12 of Philippians 3. He says, Not that I've already obtained this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Let me ask you a question. So when he says, what, not that I've already attained this, I'm, or make it my own, what, what or who is the it, this, and the it? Okay, Jesus, and specific to him, it's what? Who I am. It's, it's, 
He's saying, I have not attained this. I go to make it my own. The it is becoming like Christ. I go to make Christ's likeness my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus made me his own. <coughs> Excuse me. Ian. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. I, I love it, guys. Think of it. When, when the Apostle Paul, towards the end of his life, says this, one thing I do. To, to me, I look, that's part of why this thing jumped, just jumped out to me years ago. I'm like, listen up. He's like, out of everything in my life, out of all my years of walking with Jesus, like probably no other human in human history has ever walked with Jesus, he says, here's the one thing I do. Seems like we ought to be paying attention, right? He says, so what is the one thing? Paul, tell us. He says, this one thing. Thing I do. I forget what lies behind. I strain forward to what lies ahead, and I press on. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. Guys, this, this is the keep looking up. This is why we have to, guys, what we fixate on, we migrate towards. Right? What, 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 consu- like what, what, what consumes our mind like, or what controls our mind consumes our hearts. Guys, we have got to get fixed on the right things. And so what he's saying is, don't look backwards where we find ourselves discouraged. Don't look around where we find ourselves distracted, but look forward, look upward where we find Jesus. Guys, God, I've t- I talked about this a couple weeks ago. God is always previous. We walk into tomorrow hoping understandably so. Jesus always walks out of our tomorrow into our today going, I've got it all set for you. Let's go. Right? And so if we're walking with him, then he's already, he's already been there. Who better to walk with than the guy who's already been there? So we need to look forward, look upward. And I love how he says, so it's, it's, it's why, guys, that's why we have this paper. It's, it's this walking with Jesus into 2023. It is not about starting the year in better physical condition, although some of us, me included, need to get better at that. It's not about um, starting the year even in better relationships with my kids or my wife, even though me included need to get, can always get better at that. This is about how do we walk, like what are we intentionally putting in front of us that is going to get us walking with Jesus into the new year? And guys, I know some of you have never liked um, the... the um, like the idea of, of um, resolutions or goal setting, or, and I get it, because you set a goal, and it's a little bit like the reading through the Bible in a year, and by the time you get to Leviticus, you die that slow death, and now you feel like a failure. Like I said, like I said at the start of the message, do not beat yourself up about things you, you aren't getting done. But, but the other thing is, guys, at the same time, the, to me, the reason it's worth the risk of setting some goals in spiritual areas like my plan for reading the Bible, my plan for praying, my plan for fasting, my plan for practicing hospitality, my plan for engaging in the church, my plan for engaging with the unchurch. The reason it's worth risking setting some of those goals is because if I don't, the world will fill the void. All that other stuff that we talked about at the beginning of the message will, will consume your year. It just will. Right, and so if we don't, if we, because we'll we'll get pretty stinking intentional about getting to the movies when our when our favorite new movie gets out, we'll get pretty intentional about signing back up for Disney Plus when our next series that we really wanted to see gets 
post, put back on Disney+. Plus. We'll get really intentional about checking our Instagram feed to see how many likes we got. So what's wrong with getting a little intentional about where we're going to be in God's word? Right? Do, you, do you see how, how completely warped our thinking has become? And it's because we somehow see this as religious moralism. And if we would see the world as a religion, just a bad one, it would change everything about how we live our lives. Because we are being discipled by something all the time. The question is, what's discipling you? And that's where Paul finishes it with those last couple of verses, verses 15 and 16. He's saying all of this, all of my life, is so that I would be an example. So let those who are mature think this way. And if, anything is on, and if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal it to them also. But only let us hold true to what we've attained. Like Paul's whole mission was, I become more Christ-like so I can help other people become more Christ-like. Like, like, that's our motivation. Again, like I said at the beginning, if your motivation for, any, for doing any of this stuff is to somehow gain the, the acceptance of God or gain the acceptance of your parents, or, it's for nothing. The goal is Christ-likeness. At the end of the year, when, when we're sitting here a year from now, will hope and peace and joy and love be His hope and peace and joy and love, will it be what marks your year or not? Right? I, I, I submit that unless you get really intentional about, do, about setting a plan for it, it will not be. Because the enemy and the world is just that good at being a thief. So as the music team comes up and we close with a couple of songs, and um, that's all we have left today, actually, um, I want to go back to our first talking points question. So our first talking points question talked about how, um, like what, um, well, I'll just read it. What we fix it on, we migrate towards. What, what has our focus fills our hearts. So what kinds of things steal our focus? So the question becomes for us is, what are you going to intentionally do to get your focus back? Like, guys, life will happen to you if you let it. Or you can take control. And what I mean by that is you can let Christ be the center of your control. Right? You can either let other people and things dictate what your year is going to stand for, or you can let Christ lead you into that. And I'm praying that, that these things that we've talked about today and these resources that we have um, that we've talked about today will be something that, that you will use to make Christ the control center of your life in 2023. And the last thing I want you to do is as you read or, um, on the back of your white card, if you still have a back of your white card, I just want you to, you're not going to give it to me. You can put it up here if you want, but you don't have to. But I want you to just write down one thing that you're willing to give Christ control of. Write down one thing. One specific thing. Don't, don't put my heart. That's a good thing, but don't put that. Get real. Like, get really specific. Are you willing to give him control of your phone? Are you willing to give him control of the remote control? Are you willing to give him control of your checkbook? Are you willing to give him control of your day planner? Let's pray. 
Father God, I thank you for um, the newness of life. I thank you for the rain that started back up again. Lord, I thank you that, um, that as your word says, that as it is with, with the, the rain and the snow that, that goes out and, and brings about the new life that feeds the earth, so it is with your word. It will not return void. Lord, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He, he is not returning void. He will accomplish the work he has set out to. He already fulfilled the it is finished part. And someday soon, as Revelation reminds us, he will fulfill the it is done. And until then, we live in this space between with your Holy Spirit indwelling us as kingdom people meant to live by kingdom power for your kingdom glory. So Lord, as we continue to think about what the new year before us is, is to be used for, how we can make the most of it for you, Lord. I do pray that you would continue to let your word do that work in our hearts, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, despising the shame, endured the cross and is seated at the right hand of God. And someday soon, that whole thing is coming here. And the new heaven and the new earth will be a new reality. And those who are faithful and true will rule and reign with you forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Happy New Year.